Are you interested in cracking the customer code? You've got customers, and we will help you work with them to deliver a great experience to grow your business. I'm Jeannie Walters. And I'm Adam Taport. Join us as we learn from those business leaders who get it. And a few who don't. And together, we'll crack the customer code. Welcome to Episode 17 of Crack the Customer Code. We've got a great show. Today, we'll be talking about gathering feedback from customers. It's more difficult and challenging than people may realize. And our friend Muhammad Latib is going to break down some of how you actually do that. And he's going to talk a little bit about what it means to be a satisfied customer. Hey, Adam, I've got a question. What's that? Would you allow your auto insurance provider to follow you around and track your driving? Absolutely not. (laughs) They'd they'd block my view with the black helicopters. Well, I have a customer hero story, in my opinion, about how this is being done in a really clever way and how it actually could benefit customers. Well, that's very interesting. We'll have to determine if it's a hero or a zero. Sometimes heroes and zeros are in the eyes of the beholder. There you go. We'll talk about that in our customer hero, customer zero segment. But first, Adam, I believe Customers That Stick is our sponsor today. We are sponsoring because we have lots of great stuff going on. Of course, we talked about our e-newsletter before, the customer conversation, and you can get that at customerebook.com. And you'll get a lot of free resources when you sign up, and you'll also get early access to information on the launch of my new book, Be Your Customer's Hero. So go to customerebook.com. That is customerebook.com. And if you are interested in sponsoring crack the customer code please visit us at crackthecustomercode.com slash sponsor so adam lately we talk a lot about gathering feedback from customers to improve the customer experience but there are so many different ways to do this and you and i have some somewhat strong opinions (laughs) about what works and what doesn't so i'm curious what do you think are some of the better known ways to collect feedback and and which ones do you have an opinion on I have an opinion on all of them, <laughs> but we don't have that kind of time. But, you know, it's interesting. I think each organization has to approach it individually and know what their needs are and know what their ability to get feedback is. I mean, I come from a small business background, work a lot with small business. And one of the things you have to look at there is, can you even get the feedback you need in enough quantity that you can make some good determinations? Because, <laughs> you know, you and I have talked about anecdotal data which is data that's you know sort of a, a story or not enough mm-hmm. to be scientifically sound. And it can be useful, but it can also be misleading. Yes, but I love anecdotal data. And I think a lot of organizations overlook some of the anecdotes that are really the canary in the coal mine. They tell a story that may or may not be uh, part of a bigger issue at that moment. But a lot of times they can shine a light on something that if you don't pay attention to it now – it's going to be a bigger problem in the future. So I actually, I totally love data if somebody else takes care of the quant stuff that I don't like doing. (laughs) But you have to add to that. And that's where the anecdotes really can come in and help you predict what's going to happen in the future. Data is always about what's already happened. Right. And I actually wrote, you know, as writers, as bloggers, we always have those sort of little pet posts that we love. Like, oh, wow, yeah, that's the one I like. I wrote a blog post on this called Anecdotal Data and the Problem of Uncle Jimmy. So that's on the (laughs) customersatstick.com blog. But here's the thing. Just like you said, anecdotal data is useful when it's directional. Mm-hmm. It can point you in a direction of looking for more data or looking for better answers. Well, here, here's I'm going to piggyback on that idea because what I do a lot of times is we like to say at 360 Connects that we 
provide color commentary to the data that they're drowning in, essentially, because they have all these numbers, they have all these charts, they have all this information, and they don't really know what to do with it. And a lot of times, it's the anecdotes that get people to move. So if you can find a really great verbatim from a survey, or if you can find the the amazing customer service story to share with executives, to share with the leaders in an organization, that's actually what creates change sometimes, because they can look at charts all day long, We do not connect with those as humans as much as somebody saying, you know what, this happened to me, and this is why I love your company, or the flip of that, which is, this is what happened to me, and this is why I will never buy from you guys again, and I'm going to you know, flame you on every site I can get my hands on and make your lives miserable. So I think anecdotes can actually prompt action. Well, you've got to get those stories, and uh, not to get grim here, but Joseph Stalin actually said it, you know. A single death is a tragedy. A million deaths is a statistic. Mm-hmm. And that's really the point, though. When you, you hear a touching story or you see that, that's what moves people. That's how you anecdotal data is great for communicating. Right. It's more dangerous for decision making. Yes. Yes. Although I, I will argue that sometimes it's the only way to look ahead. And sometimes it's enough. You've got to be a leader sometimes and say, you know what? I see this. This is going to be a bigger problem if we don't address it right now, even before the data tells you that it's a really important thing to look at. Well, that's a complex topic, and we have an expert in the complex topic of market research. We'd like to welcome Mohamed Latib, PhD, who is the co-founder and chief operating officer of Periscope IQ. As chief operating officer, he provides leadership in strategy, business development, and client relationships. His primary role is to position the company and thought leadership in the areas of employee and customer engagement to help companies drive business outcomes to achieve market leadership, growth, and profitability. Prior to this position, Dr. Latib was a professor, dean, and vice president at various academic institutions. So we're thrilled to have you. Hi, Mohammed. Hey, Mohammed. Hello, Adam. Hello, Jeannie. It's my absolute pleasure to be here with you today. You know, you and I have had some interesting discussions about this already, but I'm, I'm wondering, we talk a lot about really how to gather the best feedback from customers and how to use that. So you spend a lot of time with your clients figuring out how to collect the best feedback from customers. Can you share a little bit about what are some of your favorite ways you like to do that? You know, the most common and most efficient methodology to collect feedback is to simply construct a survey and deploy that survey through multiple channels. It could be a deployment of a survey through the website of a company. It could be through, uh, and the website collection could be an intercept when a customer is journeying through that website. It could be an open link on a website so anybody that's there that feels like providing feedback can click on that link and get to a survey. The survey can be sent via very specific authenticated emails so that you have a specific destination. And then you can use kiosks and SMS and face-to-face questions can be asked instead of the text questions. Well, you know, you get a – I mean, there's so many pathways to data now, right? I mean, that's what you're talking about. There's just so many ways to collect the data. So here's the question. You've got good data. You've got – good channels for getting the data. Once you collect it all, what do you think it means to be a satisfied customer? And once you know that, once you sort of gauge the customer satisfaction levels, 
What can organizations do to take that information and translate it into action? Uh, For us, satisfaction is a very complex phenomena. So, for example, I could be satisfied with one element of my interactions with a company, but not another element with that same company. So if you understand what I'm saying is there are elements that collectively make up the phenomena of satisfaction. And, you know, oftentimes what we have found and what I found in my experience is that people ask a single overall satisfaction question. As, as you folks know, you're both in the customer experience space. Even when you were to do an end-to-end journey map of a customer interacting with a business, there are so many touch points there that collectively ends up leaving a customer satisfied or however you want to characterize it, less than satisfied. Well, you know, Muhammad, I agree. I always uh, you know, talk to people about sort of single question metrics in isolation. And I always say, well, if you're going to do that, just go ahead and flip a coin. Agree. Absolutely. Because you, you know, you, you've got to get some color and you've got to get some context to it. So, Muhammad, I've got a, a follow-up to that. Instead of just asking that overall satisfaction rating, What's one thing any, any company could do? Well, if there's one thing any company can do, they must adhere to scientific methodologies so that they can get data that has integrity. That's the one thing that they must do. So from my standpoint, if I were to counsel a company, I am very much in favor of integrated metrics rather than differential metrics. So let me distinguish the two. Differential metrics would, is very popular in the corporate world. It's most famously known as NPS. NPS is a differential metric. For our listeners, NPS is the net promoter score, and I'm actually an NPS certified associate. So I really believe it's a useful metric, but to your point, it can't just stand alone. You've got to learn more. All right. So, so you have NPS. And, you know, I, I was at a meeting uh, at a conference one day and I heard this executive speaking about their own internal NPS culture and how they d- developed and designed and delivered all these NPS metrics. What's interesting is that they had all these promoters that they ignored because they were focused on the detractors. Yet, you know, promoters can be folks that also have some disenchantment. They might recommend you but they have some issues around the journey that they might have taken that you will have missed in that overall metric. So my view is you've got to be as granular as possible, and granularity can come from developing integrated metrics so that you have a fuller understanding of all the components that make up the experience customers have. Now, what I was going to ask you, Mohammed, because you mentioned that the one thing a company could do is adhere to scientific methodology – How does that work for smaller organizations? I come from a small business background, and it's not always that easy to really apply rigorous sort of scientific methodology to surveys, to research, to customer feedback. What would you have advised for those smaller organizations? You know, Adam, quite frankly, if, if I were a small business owner and wanted to create a remarkable experience for my customers, I would lean on the shoulder of a, of a basic market research person whose talents can guide me and direct me. Even the whole question of asking questions is a science unto itself. I would submit that if you were to ask your listeners and take a poll among your listeners, uh, I would dare say that a majority of them, if you ask them how easy is it to craft a question for a survey, the majority would say it's not Mm -hmm. easy. Um, 
you know, even around the crafting of questions, there's a science. So those of us that adhere to scientific methods will actually even test the questions we craft to establish whether or not people understand it. And therefore, are we going to get the kind of answers we're looking for? Well, Mohammed, I think if anybody's looking for somebody who could apply the scientific method to collecting feedback, you are their guy. Absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> you. You, well, you're both very generous, and I would certainly welcome all your listeners to knock on my door. Uh, this was great, Mohammed. Where can folks find you on the internet? Oh, it's very simple. They can find me at our company website at periscopeiq.com. And if they're in any way connected to uh, LinkedIn, which is where I am most active, if they just did a search with my name, Mohammed Latib, they'd find me. And I'm fairly transparent on LinkedIn. I have a number of all of my contact information available publicly for people to reach out to me. Great, great. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on. Thanks to the so show. much, Mohammed. Hey, thank you, Jeannie and Adam. It was a pleasure as always. And I look forward to seeing you folks soon. Okay, take care. Bye bye. Take care. Bye bye. Jeannie. Adam! Guess what time it is. What time is it? It is customer hero, customer zero time. And I know, as always, you've got a hero or zero for us. Which one do you think? I think it's going to be a mystery today. (laughs) Well, I am actually categorizing this one as a customer hero story. But I think it would be interesting to get some feedback from people listening because it can go a few different ways. So, you know Flo from those progressive insurance commercials? Yes. (laughs) Well, she's watching how you drive. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, So, progressive came out with this tool called a snapshot, which they advertised a lot about. And essentially, it was a little electronic doohickey, basically. I think that was the technical term they gave it. And you attached it to the inside of your car and it tracked your driving. It said if you were a good driver, if you drove over the speed limit, all those things. And then you basically gave Progressive permission to access that data so that you could get discounts for being a safe driver. So if you and I were both Progressive customers, I might say, sign me up. I'm a really safe driver. And you might say, I'm not opting into that program (laughs) because I don't want you to see what I do. What are you trying to say? (laughs) So... When Progressive had this idea, they went to OnStar, which is part of General Motors, and OnStar has those buttons that you press, and it's part of a satellite network, essentially. Um, And what they did was say it's an opt-in for customers to basically agree to have their driving tracked, but it's built into the actual vehicle through OnStar. So that's pretty cool. But what I like about this, and the reason I'm calling it a hero and not a zero It sounds a little big brother, right? Right. (laughs) Uh, But it's all opt-in along the way so that you as a customer can say, yes, sign me up. I want to try this. And then you get to a certain point where you get to review your data compared to other drivers. So you can actually see like, wow, I am a much better driver than Adam. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm just saying here, I'm going to get to see you drive in a few weeks. You'll see I'm a very safe driver. So when we were, when I was hearing about this, one of the things they said was that you opt in, you then get to review your data, and then you get to opt in again and say, yes, send this data along to Progressive so that they, you have the option so that they can possibly decrease your insurance rates if you are a safe driver. So that's what I think is the hero. I think they're responding to customer feedback 
And they're also making sure that customers are in control every step of the way. But this is actually about convenience and it's about reward for the people who are opting into it. And that's why I'm calling it a customer hero. Well, I will actually agree with you, Anne. I think it's a customer hero too, only because it is opt-in. Mm-hmm. I would have the exact opposite opinion if it were not. Absolutely. And I think uh, that's a lesson here, is that you can't just say, we're going to offer this to you because we think it's great and we think you're going to benefit from it. You have to give your customers some control over opting into programs like this. Right, particularly one that has sensitive privacy ramifications, mm-hmm. which this one does. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So Progressive and OnStar, I think we'll see others follow suit. So when you subscribe to this, will I be able to track your car on Google (laughs) Maps? No, but there are programs like that for uh, teenage drivers that are out there already. So (laughs) if you're savvy enough to to get the doohickey in my car, (laughs) then you can. (laughs) Well, I was an angel, of course, when I was a teenager, but I am glad that they did not have that. Yep, that's a whole other topic. (laughs) All right, awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening to Episode 17 of Crack the Customer Code. I'm Adam Teporek, and my website is customersatsick.com. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can find me at 360connects.com. More episodes and the show notes are available at crackthecustomercode.com. And please subscribe on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, leave a review on iTunes so others can find us. And tell someone you know. In fact, tell everybody you know. We love word of mouth. So until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.